Hi, everyone, and welcome to the RegTech Report, your update on all things RegTech. My name is Carl Viertel, and with me is Stefan Celestio. Our mission is to bring you the latest news, speak with industry pioneers, and muse about the latest tech. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the RegTech Report. Uh, hey, Stefan, how are you? Hey, Carl. I think uh, it's been a while since we were also together in this room. I remember doing one without you. So, uh, yeah. yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Um, well, but it's not just you and I today. We are joined by a very special guest um, out of Vermont today, uh, Donna Cameron. Donna, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So, uh, for those of you that don't know Donna, um, which I'm going to assume are a few of our listeners. Um, <laughs> but you will know her afterwards. <laughs> first of all, this will change at the end of the podcast. <laughs> and second of all, you should know Donna because Donna is our absolute expert that helps our customers understand banking regulation in the U.S., as part of our Metrotech GRC content library. So um, uh, welcome to the podcast and really excited to learn more about uh, regulatory scanning, horizon scanning, and uh, content management. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, uh... All right. So I guess the, the thing that probably a lot of our customers deal with, and I certainly deal with, is... If you're, you know, on a few email uh, uh, lists with uh, regulatory updates and, uh, you know, you've trained your algorithms in your social media that, you know, you're sort of interested in that bubble, the amount of information that comes through on a daily basis is ridiculous. And so obviously, everyone needs a Donna to uh, <laughs> filter through and uh, cut through all of that noise to figure out what is actually relevant for me. So... I guess, uh, how can we, you know, take a peek behind the uh, curtain? Uh, you know, what's what are your tips and tricks? How do you do that? Okay, well, the way that I do it is, um, of course, we have an, an automated process here that we use that feeds us a lot of the content that comes in through the Federal Register. Uh, and the Federal Register is the document that houses all of the um, U.S. rules. So every day we take a look at that. But then, as you said, Carl, there are a lot of other sources that people might be tapped into. So you can um, subscribe to various email feeds from the, the different agencies. You can um, sign up with your state or your local banking, because I deal mostly with banking regs, um, with that association. Other industries probably have a lot of other sources, but the thing that that kind of gets you tangled up is that there are so many changes every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we in our team so far this year have have processed over 10,000 pages of changes. So well, for, yeah. for anyone who's sitting in, you know, a bank or a law office or a hospital, which is also heavily regulated to try to handle that on their own is really tough. So I guess the biggest tip I would offer is try to find a resource that can help you. There are a lot of them out there that will, um, you know, kind of filter things for your unique needs and send you what you need to know, which is what we do, um, so that you're not reading 10,000 pages, because yeah. that's a lot when you're trying to do your day job, too, um, to try to figure out. And, and the scariest thing for all of us is we don't want to miss anything. 
Yeah. Because, um, you know, the regulators don't get real excited when you've missed something. They expect <laughs> you to know what you've got changed. <laughs> so, uh, so if you can find a really good resource that fits your needs, that's going to give you what you need and in a, in a format that um, helps you operationalize that change, I think that's probably my biggest mm. tip as far as how to know what's coming. Mm. One, one thing I'm wondering there, Donna, is uh, what, what makes a good resource there? Is it like typically a lawyer or what are skills you would need to do your job, basically? Um, well, it depends, again, if you are a small organization and you just want somebody to let you know what's changing and then you're okay with going and reading all that yourself, um, <laughs> that's, that's one approach. Um, if you maybe have a larger organization or you just don't have the time to do that, then you're looking for somebody who has maybe credentials, uh, again, depending on the industry. In my world, banking, mm -hmm. we have people who have specific credentials for regulatory management, regulatory compliance. Um, you certainly can look for a lawyer, but you would want one who is well-versed in banking or whatever regulations yeah. that you're facing. Um, so look for somebody that has the credentials that you need, um, but then you also want to look at what it is that they offer you. So it can be as basic as just a feed of the item and then a link so that you have to go read the whole thing, or it can mine down a lot further. You can find somebody who will actually analyze that issuance for you, tell you what it means in, in um, you know, normal layman terms because most of these things are not written so a normal person can mm. understand them. Yeah. And that's actually a, a really interesting point that you mentioned. You know, a layman won't be able to understand the terms, but you also sort of mentioned that it won't necessarily always be a lawyer. And I found that, uh, in my experience, to be incredibly true because the what I've observed in some client situations is that the actual interpretation, the so what, is the difficult part. So you might have a regulatory obligation where a lawyer says, well, it's pretty clear. This is the obligation. But then right. you've got a business person that actually needs to say, well, and so what does that mean for my daily business? What does that mean for me running my bank? And yeah. oftentimes in regulatory change management, that's sort of where the, the key value creation is, not necessarily pointing out what needs to be done, but how it needs to get done. Right, exactly. And and it's really helpful if you can find somebody who has sat in your chair. So um, somebody maybe if you're in banking, someone who's been a banker, mm -hmm. not just someone who spent their whole life reading regulations, because it's really helpful if that person can say to you, and I remember what it was like when I had to do this, and here are the things that I would have done. Uh, and they can get right down to practical terms, you know, because again, a lawyer will understand the text, obviously, but they might not understand what does that mean now that I have to tell my team? What, how do I have to change my procedures? You know, what checklists need to be changed? Really, practically, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. I mean, one of the um, interesting points is that at the, or in my view, the current state of technology um, is, I'd say it's evolving. And so if you're getting a new regulation, there's always people, process, and technology necessary to get from a new legal statement to implementation in the target or affected organization. And so I'd say that, you know, a lot of machine learning, AI techniques can help 
people make better decisions in that space. I'd say that probably a good regulatory change process is going to help you be effective. Um, But I'm going to put you on the spot and say, let's say in five years from now, where do you see the biggest advances happening? Is it really the technology or is it maybe even process or better people, better education in the workforce that's going to help regulatory change be more effective? Well, that's a good question. Um, five years down the road, I I will be honest that I don't see AI and machine learning doing the job that an expert in mm. regulations can do. Yeah. Um, I know there have been tons of efforts toward that. But what I've seen, and we have looked at several different AI sources, um, they are able to take the text and they are able to summarize it sometimes for you. But it, but machines are not able to pick out what's important. Yeah. Um, what they do is they sort of dilute down to you know paragraphs of summary. But that's very different from a real person again telling you what it means again picking out the text that is going to hit you the hardest. Um, I have not seen that. And and I'm not sure five years is going to be enough to get us to where AI can take the place of a um, an expert in the field. Hopefully, maybe it can get to where it can help us a little more. <clears throat> maybe these algorithms can help us determine which of these things might apply to us. Maybe they can pick out key terms um, that would let you know, you know, this one only applies to financial institutions that have 50 billion or more in assets. And maybe it yeah. would not send you that if it's, but that's what we do, you know, in our organization, yeah. we do that filtering. So I don't see AI necessarily. Um, and as far as more education goes, um, I think, I think the, the people that are out there now are, you know, they're well-educated. They know their jobs. They know what they're doing. But are there enough of them? That's well, no. <laughs> With those skills um, that you were describing, right? I mean, that is you, Of course, again, you know, my expertise is in the banking field, and I mm-hmm. work a lot with the compliance professionals in banks and credit unions. And if you go out and just do a Google search, there are lots of openings for those professionals yeah. in the field. Um, and as the... I hate to say it, but as that group gets a little older and begins to exit the workforce, there are not a lot of people who want to take on this task uh, coming up, coming into it, because, you know, it, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. People don't want to miss something. They don't want to get it wrong. And banking has changed since mm-hmm. the financial crisis so that we are being asked to do a lot more than we used to have to do. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tough field, um, and no, there are not enough people who are doing it for let's, sure. Let's make regulation sexy again. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a, you can uh, figure that out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nothing sexy about it. <laughs> but 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 it's it's so it's so uh, so good and interesting that you say that you made those comments because I, I'm I was just like like when we were saying okay in five years what what will happen I was thinking back five to six six years when the whole rag tag trend came up and people came up with this term I remember having lots of conversations of people asking okay can I you know like just install the rag tag and then hit yeah. a button and then I'm automatically compliant. And we were always like, okay, yeah. each other know that will that probably nice? never be possible. Yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> but that was the expectation, yeah. right? I mean, that's what. what and the other thing, um, the banking agencies have been very slow to 
sign on to people relying mm. on re- on technology to do yeah. the work for them. They love having you have the tools to help you, <clears throat> but there's no way that they want to see you turn it over to a reg tech solution and just, you know, walk away and think, okay, now I'm in compliance. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to do that. But that's a that's a really interesting point because one thing that's always staggering is one of the big hurdles for technology to do more in regulation is something as simple as formatting of the regulatory data. Mm. So my favorite example is HIPAA, where you have a PDF in uh, landscape mode with four columns and a uh, I think it's six levels of indentation. Right. So for a human such as yourself, you can, you know, print it out and you can read it and you'll make sense of it. But for a machine that is incredibly difficult. Um, how are you yeah. seeing uh, progress on standardization of data formats of these issued regulations, at least in the U.S.? I don't see any standardization. <laughs> um, if you, I don't know if you've ever read one of these banking regulations. Yep. We just got one today that was over 300 pages that came in this morning. And, um, of course, we have several different agencies in the United States that are issuing rules. They all have their own way of doing it. They all have their own formats. Um, they don't. And that's one of the things when we first started it, when I first started doing what I'm doing now over 10 years ago, we thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if they would make these things consistent? <laughs> Put them in plain English. That would be really nice. But there's no way for technology to, across the board, take a regulation and turn it into anything usable because there is no consistency. There's no, you know, it always starts this way. And then the next step is always, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's just not that way. And they might put a little nugget in the middle of those 300 pages (laughs) that technology would have no idea was important. But a person reading it would go, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that's big. We need to make sure people know this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's very little consistency. Um, it's just not in a format that's usable for technology right now. Now, you know, once we've analyzed it, then technology can be used yeah. to implement it. But and it seems like technology is very helpful because we get rid of those manual spreadsheets and all those emails and all that kind of tracking. And, and that can be automated. But you have to have that front end human intervention right now. Still. Yeah, which is sad, right? Because importing and parsing a PDF document is just so far below the qualification that you as a subject matter expert. Right. have. But yeah. And yet it's a necessary step. And it's it's also right. one of those things everybody is talking about and saying, look, look, yeah. it would be so good to have that. Right. But there's no like right. there's no central organization that can somehow, you know, make those steps happen. I mean, there are attempts. Like for yeah. example, the European Union, of course, yeah. has the uh, requirement I, for multilingual what, what has the EU ever done for us? Correct. Kim? But I guess that is one of the things that are good in Europe. It's very yeah. standardized how they publish these things here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, looking yeah. at a derived regulation for the Spanish mm-hmm. healthcare industry the other day, and uh, <clears throat> well, unfortunately, you only had it in Spanish, which because it was derived from EU directive. Um, but we have Javi here to look at it. That's Spanish. right. That's why we have our Javier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was still uh, at least they had a. I think it was an HTML, a PDF, and an XML version. Um, that allowed structuring, but I don't know if it actually followed any standardized formatting in the XML mm-hmm. or if it was just a 
markup basically of the document structure. Mm. But it, it yeah. seems like a a very large missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't see also a solution for this, right? I mean, there's no real movement in that direction, even though people keep talking about it. Was the uh, uh, I believe Cambridge was uh, leveraging the the same technology that they used to uh, process the human genome to structure and analyze uh, regulation. I believe there was a project. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is me sort of uh, Mm -hmm. taking my uh, half knowledge of this project to the absolute (laughs) limit. Um, I'll tell you, if they're using the same technology they use for the human genome, that gives you an idea of how complicated this is. That's a very good point. (laughs) But on the other end, I mean, maybe let's pick up on a thought. I mean, um, there's been huge advances in that field in the last decades, right? I mean, when they originally did the original sequencing, that took many, many years. Nowadays, I guess you can buy machines for a couple thousand bucks that do that now yeah. directly, right? I mean, this is what happens over right, long right. periods well, of time. Maybe, maybe it it's out, a whole two-hour field. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I must say, Donna, it's been uh, absolutely fascinating to you know hear your expertise and insight on the subject because I think it um, it confirms what we've been talking about on the podcast uh, a number of times that you know RegTech will always be a tool that makes smart people more effective, but yes. not a black box mm-hmm. that just puts a tick mark on something or an X. Yeah. Um, and, yeah there, uh, was a, there was a fear when we first started talking reg tech um, in the compliance industry that jobs were going to go away. And that has not happened. And we, we cannot imagine that it would, yeah. as you say, you know, this is something that helps people do their jobs more efficiently because we are getting more and more thrown at us more and more is expected. And so these are great tools to make you more efficient, but they are never going to take take jobs away from people. Um, excellent wrap up of the topic. But would you join us for a special um, start of autumn top three? Well, I'm kind of on the spot here, I guess. I'm <laughs> It's the top three. So it it is official. It's officially also now astronomically uh, fall, isn't it? Correct. uh, That was twenty first. Yeah. So it's yep. It's fall. It's getting cold. Days are getting shorter. You can really. I have a few things that I love to cook that you wouldn't do on a hot summer's day. Um, so I figured maybe we could just go through and everyone sort of gives their, you know, hot dish of the season. Sure. Yeah, should we do it? So who's starting? Let's do uh, it. I'd say our guests first. Mm-hmm. Ah, there you go. Well, I live, as as you said, in Vermont, which is in extreme northern New England. So we are well into fall. <clears throat> and we are, when we step out, we're smelling the wood smoke in the air and the trees Ooh, have changed can, their colors. I can imagine but, it right now. And I love to bake and cook, <clears throat> so I am definitely shifting into that mode. Um, and it's also apple picking season here, so we have picked a bunch of apples, and I will be doing apple-related cooking this weekend. So I probably will do, I usually do a lot of pies to put in the freezer, but I also make apple jelly and mm. apple butter. And those are a couple wait, of wait, wait, wait. Apple butter? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you cook that sounds intriguing. Apples down until they're very, very thick and kind of a really pretty caramely color, 
Um, and you can use it like jam or jelly, or you can use it as a condiment on the side with meat. But we all, we love the smell of apples in the kitchen at this time of year. So I'll be doing a lot of apple-based things. So I, I, I see a, uh, a Mitratech GRC content summit in uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vermont on the horizon yeah, let's, here. Yeah, let's plan that. <laughs> better, do it, better do it quickly while you can get here. <laughs> the snow starts. Okay. Yeah. So... I think my uh, what I'm looking forward to this weekend is uh, we're going to be in the mountains and we're going to do a Swiss classic, um, a cheese fondue. Oh, that's also yeah. awesome! And you know you can you can only eat so much cheese in the heat, and so uh, this is going to yeah. be a real treat when it's nice and cold out. But there's a twist because you know classic Swiss cheese fondue is with um, uh, with bread. And so, you know, while um, uh, fat and carbohydrates are a perfect pairing, um, sometimes I do like to take it down a notch. And this is where some physics and uh, material physics come in. So a vegetable which is uniquely qualified to uh, absorb the most amount of cheese from its, uh, from its structure on the surface is broccoli. Ah, wow. okay. So, I never thought about that. And I love broccoli. So you don't, you just great. you just blanch it so not so it's you know mm. still pretty uh, not I, too soft. I can eat it raw, like crazy. And then yeah. the structure is great for scooping up that mm. cheese. And then if you want to mix it up, I recommend chestnuts. Okay, so oh. that's my autumn suggestion. Yum. <laughs> okay, those those already all sound good. <laughs> I was I was thinking a bit also what what would be my my favorite and. The first thing that came to mind was something pumpkin related. I guess that that is a classic. But then I thought, no, I don't really like pumpkin actually that much. So <laughs> maybe that's not big that. And I thought, okay, what am I a big fan of that I wouldn't do in the summer, but that I start doing again in the in the uh, in the fall and winter? So uh, I am I am one of the biggest soup fans you can ever find out there in the world. You know, I love soup, and there's uh, there's these great Japanese ramen uh, noodle soups that. That I that I just adore, and you have also nice restaurants here in Munich. But you can also do it yourself if you get the right ingredients together. So that is really it's in the summer. It's way too hot for that, you know. You, that, that doesn't make sense. But as soon as the weather gets turns like we had in the last weeks, rainy, cold, it's the perfect feel yeah. good food. Yeah. I like how we just sort of curated a whole menu here. So yeah. you start out with the ramen, have some cheese fondue, yeah. and then some apple pie. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh yeah, there that's we a go. Good idea. I'm in Vermont. When, when when do they have the free cone day? By the way, that, that's the <laughs> oh thing, yeah, yeah, they do do that. Mm -hmm. People line right up down the street for those. Yeah, things. I remember. I remember that from that talk I heard from Jerry from Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Uh, they were yeah. saying. Um, He was also an alumni of the of the university I spent a semester uh, at, and he was saying um, they they were two hippies and they thought they had a brilliant business idea. Let's go. Let's open an ice cream shop in some warm place. It will sell like crazy. <laughs> Then they noticed all warm places already have ice cream places, so they went <laughs> yeah. to Vermont. Uh, and then they, they said, okay, if we survive one year, we will have the free cone day. And I guess that's yep. the start of the tradition. Yep, uh, and they then did. they survived one year and many more. And ever, yeah. ever since they, they did it. All right. So yeah. the birthplace of the free new <laughs> yeah, business yeah. model. Exactly. That, Donna, thank you so much for joining. Absolute pleasure. And great to yeah. get your expertise. Stefan, thanks so much. Yeah, and Carl. Looking forward to the next one. Again. We'll hear you guys soon. Take care. All right. All right. Take bye -bye. care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Follow our dedicated podcast handle at the RegTech Rep.